title of my message tonight is called The Line of Demarcation. If you're taking notes, The Line of Demarcation. And I'm going to explain what that means. And, uh, you know, I joined maybe about a little over eight, almost nine years ago. Uh, I was able to join the electrical union. And uh, in, our, in our trade, we're, I deal with the low voltage side, which is phone, internet, cameras. And uh, in, our, in our trade, there's a thing called the line of demarcation. And uh, throughout the, the years that we would go work in these big old industrial buildings and high rises, you know, we would go into these telecom closets. And this is where all the phone lines come in at. And uh, they have one in every building. There's one in this building as well. And I noticed that the more buildings we went into, there was always a little box in there, usually from AT&T or PG&E, which is, or even Comcast, Verizon. They're like the main phone providers. And this box was always different than the other boxes. It always had an orange cover on it. And so I noticed it, but, you know, I'd never understood what it was. And so finally one day I asked somebody why the box was different, what was so special about it. And they explained what the line of demarcation was. And in a nutshell, to sum it up, the line of demarcation was basically, say it's AT&T that was bringing in the phone line. They were responsible for their, um, their cabling or their in installation up until that box. And that was the line from that point on. Basically, it was your responsibility. So anything from that box back was their responsibility. And they identified it with the orange cover. And so the line of demarcation is the line up until which you are responsible for. And I want to talk about responsibility tonight. Amen. The line of demarcation. You got Galatians 6 with you? Galatians 6, chapter 4. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. And here's the key verse. For each one should carry their own load. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. I ask that your Holy Spirit would just continue to move and minister throughout this entire night. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Demarcation, the line and the boundaries in which we are responsible for. Now, we all have boundaries, and we all have limits, and we all have things that we have taken responsibility for. And my focus tonight is very simple. My focus tonight is to paint a clear picture, a very clear picture of what a man and a woman of God is responsible for. More specifically, what a man or a woman of God in our ministry is responsible for. And now, it's beautiful to see the people that just got baptized, right? And, and we always have people that, that are in our church or that are coming to our church. And a lot of times, you know, we, we go and, you know, we go throughout our ministry or throughout our Christianity, and it, it takes somebody actually pointing out what is our responsibility. What are we supposed to do? You know, if you lived a life prior to Christ, uh, you know, where you, you, you know, you had no boundaries, then you, you know, coming into Christ, you start learning that, man, you know, responsibility comes with this life. And uh, I want to talk about some things tonight. You know, there's a lot of things that I feel that we're responsible for as Christians, but I want to cover four specific things tonight that we are responsible for. And that, when I say we, I mean me, you, everyone in this room, everyone that considers themselves part of this church is responsible for. And as we go into this year where we're building for our promise, 
in order to build, you have to understand where you fit in and what your responsibility is. And as your knowledge of Christ grows, your responsibility should also grow. See, maturity equals responsibility, right? Maturity equals responsibility, right? There's a lot of people who have children, but there's not a lot of fathers, right? A lot of people, right? But maturity, it equals responsibility. See, the problem with this is this, that the average person in Victory Outreach, we know so little about responsibility, right? I mean, we become experts at running, we become experts at dodging and making excuses, right? Pointing fingers and ignoring sometimes the obvious. Most of us can come up with more reasons why we can't do something than to really the reasons why we should. Don't worry, this is not a bad message. <laughs> However, God loves us so much that he will not allow us to stay in that state of irresponsibility. Amen? And so... You know, God's plan for us, it always requires our involvement. God always has a plan for our church and for our ministry and us personally, and it involves us. You know, it isn't just a one-way thing. God involves us in his plans. And see, these four areas that I'm going to cover tonight, they include you. And you may not know, have known before tonight that these are your responsibilities, but here tonight, these are your responsibilities. In fact, I would even write them down if I was you. And so the first thing I want to talk about tonight that we are responsible for is we are responsible for our salvation. Your salvation is simply your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's your spiritual growth, right? It's your convictions. It's your development of your character as a man or a woman of God. See, most of us, we were brought to salvation through an encounter, right? whatever circumstance or something led us, a flyer, even somebody witnessing to us, it led us to an introduction with Jesus Christ. But see, God doesn't do just an introduction. God don't do one night stands. Come on, he's into marriage. So that introduction, it does not end simply with that, simply with that meeting right there. And see, this is why, you know, a lot of times we see within a church, we see people that have been around six months, a year, even sometimes a little bit longer than that, three years, five years, and they still struggle to have a relationship with God. They still struggle to pray. They still struggle to read their word. Uh, they still, you know, they still struggle. And the thing of it is, is they haven't really taken responsibility for their salvation. See, there's people in this room, even right now, that even after that introduction to Christ, even after that initial contact, they're still wondering if they should really surrender all, even in this room tonight. See, there are even people in this room that are still wondering, should I live completely sold out for Christ? Should I really get involved? See, it's our responsibility to take care of our salvation, period. Right? God blesses us with pastors. He blesses us with leaders and other people of God to help us to guide us, right? And at times even give us words. But these people cannot work out your salvation. They cannot. My friend, it is up to us to work out our own salvation. It's your responsibility to get up out of bed and pray. It's your responsibility to open up that Bible. It's your responsibility to get yourself to services. It's your responsibility to get yourself to church events. It's your responsibility to connect with people in the church who can help you and disciple you. See, a lot of times it's backwards. We think somebody should help us, 
right? But really, in all reality, salvation is our responsibility. See, it's a trip, right? Because a lot of people don't like to connect in church. I don't know why. I guess, I, you know, I think we all went through that stage. You know, I know people that have 100 friends on Facebook but come in here and leave without saying 10 words. You know, it's just the truth. And the whole purpose of connecting, the whole purpose of making yourself connect is so that when your old friends call you and they want to go hang out, right, they want to go over here and over there, that you can actually have that connection and latch on to somebody so that you don't fall away. See, this is why a lot of times as well as leaders, you know, we feel like cheerleaders. It's the truth. We feel like cheerleaders. Because a lot of times we see people that don't take their salvation seriously and we're right there cheering them on. Come on, you can make it, right? I'll wake you up early to pray. Come on, come with me. Come, let's go to church. Let's do this. And a lot of times it's because not everybody takes their salvation seriously. They don't feel responsible for their salvation. Can you imagine in this room if we all took our salvation seriously? If we all took that responsibility every day to, to, to get up and to pray and to get a hold of God, you know what that would do? That would actually free up people to focus on those that don't even know Jesus. That's what it would do. If everyone took responsibility for their own salvation, see, responsibility, it falls on us, right? You still with me tonight? Amen. You guys got to say, you got real quiet all of a sudden. We were laughing just a minute ago, right? <laughs> So, you know, responsibility. See, it's time for some of us, you know, responsibility is not just with the new person. A lot of times it's for us that have been around a little while. Amen? See, you know, we can sometimes get by and skate by, actually, with these little arrow prayers, right? Only reading the Bible at church. Come on, right? Only, only uh, uh, you know, doing what you have to. A lot of people go throughout their Christianity just simply doing what they have to. But see, when you start taking responsibility for your salvation, you'll start showing up to services early, right? You'll start trying to get involved. You'll come up and ask Brother Augie, can I pray over the mic, right? See, that's how you know when somebody's taking responsibility, right? I mean, we've seen, we've seen the people that got baptized. That's the first step to saying I'm responsible for what, what, I, what I want from God. I'm responsible for my salvation. And it doesn't stop there. See, just because you're not being controlled or you're not running to a bottle of Hennessy no more doesn't mean you shouldn't be running to Christ. You should be running somewhere, amen? And see, your responsibility, it simply starts with taking your salvation seriously. And this year, some of us need to take our salvation seriously. Some of us need to guard it, and some of us need to fight for it, amen? I want to give you this analogy. You know, uh, you know, most of us walked out of here, and we were on our way to the parking lot, right? And... You know, say, uh, you know, somebody came up and grabbed our purse. Well, I don't got a purse, but if they grabbed our purse, right? <laughs> if they grabbed your, your, your purse, right, ladies? You know, I mean, most of us wouldn't, I keep saying us, <laughs> most, most people would not just give it up, right? You're going to fight for that purse, right, since Debbie did, right? You're not just going to give it up, right? And the crazy thing is most of us just allow the enemy to come and just take our salvation, just take us and just get us into a bad mood, get us into this thing, and the enemy runs off with our salvation, runs off with, with all this stuff, right? It's about time we start fighting for those things. It's about time that you start fighting for your spiritual life. It isn't our responsibility. It isn't pastor's responsibility. It isn't your life group leader's responsibility. It's your responsibility, amen? Second thing, moving right along here, that I believe that we are responsible for is we are responsible for our pastors. 
Now, Pastor Selvan didn't pay me to say this, right? But if you look at in Galatians 6.6, 6, which is a verse down from what we just read, right? Paul talks about taking care of those that feed and instruct us. He does. See, do you know that the common belief is that our pastors are there to serve and to take care of our needs? That's a role that they function in. But as you grow, you begin to realize that in all reality, we were brought to this church so that we can help this pastor carry out his vision, right? As he carries out Pastor Sonny's vision. See, our destinies, your destiny, my destiny is linked with his destiny. Our destiny and your destiny is linked with Sister Stella's destiny. See, because if they succeed, we succeed. Right? If their vision comes to pass, then our vision will come to pass. If they, if, they are, if they were able to build a church and we're able to help them build a church, you have to understand that we're building a platform so that we can walk on, so that our children can walk on, so that maybe some of you can launch off that pad one day. See, this is our responsibility is to back that man of God up, to back that woman of God up, right? See, you got to understand that our pastors could have chosen any path. Just because you're called doesn't mean you always answer the call, right? It's a choice. The calling of God is a choice. You know, pastor could have been one of these techies, right? Working at Google, right? He could have been working at Yahoo or Facebook, driving a Prius, right? I mean, come on. Or Sister Chella. I, what's the last time you talked to Sister Chella? She's sharp, right? She could have been working in one of these high rises, an office manager in downtown San Francisco, right? But what happened? They, they chose God. They chose to call. They chose to, you know, nobody would have knocked them. If they would have just got saved, they would have been tithers, right? They would have got a house right here in Half Moon Bay or something, right? Nobody would have knocked them and said, oh, you, you didn't answer the call, right? Nobody would have because they would have been examples. But what they did is they chose the call. They chose to come and pastor a church. They chose to come and pastor you. And because of that, and because of choosing that uphill battle, it is our responsibility to back the man and woman of God up. Amen? Our pastors are our responsibility. I'll say it again. Our pastors are our responsibility. It's our responsibility to back them up. It's our responsibility to make sure people don't badmouth them. It's our responsibility to make sure that their vision comes to pass. See, it's also our responsibility to make sure that our pastors are taken care of financially. Come on, is anybody out? You guys still out there? <laughs> it's our responsibility to make sure they have food, to make sure they have gas, to make sure their bills are paid. Amen? I want you to write these two scriptures down right now. 1 Timothy 5.18 and Luke 10.7. This is just for those of you that need a little bit of backing right there as far as what I'm saying here. You know, this is our responsibility. Do you know the only time I've ever seen a pastor lie? True story is when you ask them if they need anything. Come on. <laughs> That's a true story. See, my parents are pastors, so I know, right? I have seen them say, no, no, we're okay. And the very next day, get a 48-hour notice from PG&E in the mail. Come on. Pastors live by faith. And this is not fancy words. They're really trusting in God for everything. You know, like I said, I mean, I know this firsthand. See, I'm tired of people acting like it's not our responsibility. Like it's not our responsibility to pay attention to our pastor's needs. Don't bother asking them if they need anything. Just show up on their doorstep with groceries. Just slide a bill in their hands. Just buy their kids toys, shoes. Listen, this is our responsibility. Next time you go to Walmart, buy two instead of one. 
Listen to what I'm saying. This is our responsibility. Just because they're pastors doesn't mean they don't like burritos. Huh? Doesn't mean they don't get gas at Arco, right? It doesn't mean that they don't like to open the fridge and eat a, a nation's pie in the middle of the night, right? That doesn't mean that just because they're pastors, right? It's the truth. I threw that in there because I like nation's pies as well. So just, if you buy him one, we can share. You know, you ain't always, you know, here's the thing when it comes to supporting your pastor. You know, most people are waiting till you guys agree, right? If we agree with pastor, then we'll support him. But, you know, the truth is that you're not always going to agree. It's the truth, right? For those of you who have been around, you're not always going to agree. But it's always important to support. You don't always have to agree, but you always have to support. Us as men and women of God, I'll say it again, we don't always have to agree, but we always have to support. You want me to give you an example? I don't always agree with pastor. It's the truth. Let me give you an example. I'll get, I'll get off work from a 10-hour day, right? Tired. Walk into service. And all of a sudden, I'll be like, Steve, come on. Come on, Steve. Let's sing No More Shackles. I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> We're going to dance right now. And I'm tired, right? This is the truth. Do I agree? No, but there I am. No more shackles, right? Or how about Sunday morning, right? You're arguing with your wife or your husband. You walk in and, come on, river of life. We're going to jump on you. And you're like, oh, my God, this is really happening right now, right? You don't always got to agree, let me just throw this in for change, Pastor. You know, I wasn't oh, the only one at the clubs and bars. Erica could dance. You know, she could dance, you know. Next time you want to call somebody, let's call Erica up here. I'm just kidding, honey. <laughs> Boy, I'm going to get it when I get home. <laughs> Babe, I bought you flowers. <laughs> she could actually dance. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> it's our responsibility, and we have to take it seriously. Amen. We, we ain't got to agree, but we have to support. Amen. The third thing, third thing, moving right along, that we are responsible for is our church. Amen. There's one statement that absolutely drives me nuts. You want to know what it is? Any statement that begins with you guys. Because automatically that detaches you from the situation. Whenever you start with, you know, you guys, oh, man, that just right there. I'm shut off. It does, you know, see, listen, if you haven't figured out yet that this is your church, if you haven't come to that realization, then what I want to do right now is I want to encourage you to go outside and grab a drink of water right now. Amen. If you haven't decided that this is your church, then I want to encourage you maybe go make a phone call in the lobby. I want to talk to those of us that have made a decision that this is our church. How many that say this is my church? Come on. How many say that this is my church? See, listen. It's our responsibility that if something's not being done, whatever it is, then we do something about it. Far too often, we are able to walk by something that needs to be done, and we expect something else, someone else to do it, right? We see a sign that hasn't been put out. What's the first thing some people do? They get mad because the home hasn't put it out, right? We see the tissue box out at a Kleenex, and we get mad because the ushers are not on their game today, right? We see youth out in the hallway, and we start getting mad because Daniel and Connie are not out there chasing them down. Listen to me. It's all our responsibilities. Responsibility will drive you to get here early to see how you can help. It will make you get involved. Listen, you can actually see those that are taking their church seriously. 
Because they're the ones that are getting involved in ushering. They're the ones that are getting involved in kids gang, right? They're the ones that are taking the role and taking their responsibility seriously. See, the days of waiting for someone else to do it are done. No one else is going to care about our church if we don't care about our church. See, we should be committed to making our services a success. Listen, that means that all of us make the service a success. If you're walking in and out of worship, then our worship won't be a success. If you're coming in late, I mean, do we got to be late to everything, right? Come on. Listen, if we're, if we're always late, it just shows our lack of responsibility for this church. Listen, we take responsibility for our church because we love our church. I said we take responsibility for our church because we love our church. How many love this church? I love this church. I told Pastor when he came back, they could have put a monkey in there, and I'd still come to this church. I don't mean that disrespectfully, but hey, they could have put a monkey up here. And I would sit in there, and, and if the monkey wanted to do no more shackles, we would have done more shackles. Why? Because this church has been here for years. This church, listen, I love this church, man. Listen, this church was here when my brother in 1987 needed a place to go. When he was strung out on PCP, listen, there was a place. There was a victory outreach for him to go. Listen, I have a mom that received a calling. She received a purpose. She received a husband. Hello. In this church, I got a brother who passed away who, listen, he, I've shared the story before. He was on the run from the cops. They were kicking into doors looking for him and pastor steve said i'll take him come on who does that this that's why i love this church i mean not only that but also me i was able to find a salvation a deliverance and a calling within this church then many of you are sitting here your miracles your testimonies because of this church who else was reaching out to you who else was reaching out to you right there wasn't many churches out there reaching out to us. There wasn't many other people that were reaching out to us, but this church was. This church was out there in the streets. This church was out there in the jails. This church was out there, and because of that, we love this church, and this is why we take responsibility for it. I want you to ask yourself, if this is your church, I want you to ask yourself this. What am I responsible for in this church? How am I involved? How am I helping out right now? Not good desires, Right? Good desires never help nothing. It's our responsibility to be involved in this church. It's our responsibility to make people feel welcome in this church. Right? And to help others get involved. Right? To start new ministries. To open up a women's home. Right? Come on. This is our responsibility. Amen? The other day, oh, I don't know, maybe about two weeks ago, I got rebuked. Amen? Uh, Brother Augie was in the children's church. You know, he asked me to pray before Sunday morning service. Well, like most Sunday mornings, I got busy. And I see Brother Augie, he's trying to make eye contact with me, right? And I see him and I'm kind of dodging, right? I'm just, you know, talking. And, and uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever had a, an encounter with Brother Augie, but he's a little feisty one, man, right? And he pulls me up. He comes out there and he goes, hey, let me talk to you real quick. I go, oh, here it comes, Right? But he told me something, and he goes, you know, let me tell you something, Eric. <laughs> I go, what's up, Hog? I, told, I was trying to explain to myself, I was busy, bro. He goes, listen. He goes, I would never leave you hanging, so don't leave me hanging. He goes, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Ooh. I said, man, you're right. I had to repent right then and there. And then I said, you know, that's true. Because here's a man who takes his role seriously. Here's a man who takes his job seriously. And so when he's asking you to help, you have to take it as serious as him. And I say that to say this is because, you know, only somebody who feels responsible for this church will feel that way when it comes to something like I just spoke about. 
See, there's not enough people that feel responsible for this church. There's not. And today, I hope and pray that you would feel responsibility for this church. See, there's no you guys. It's us. There's no you guys. It's us. You know, what's a trip? And I'll, just to kind of end this point right here, you know, I want to share something, and I'm not going to name no names, but, you know, I had an opportunity to, to oversee the ushering for about two years in this church. And, you know, you, you get to see a lot, you know, when, when, when you're in the back. You know, you get to see a lot. And uh, it was a trip because, you know, I never knew, you know, when we took over the ushering, you know, there was, there was no budget, right? <laughs> Come on, there was, there was no, like, hey, we're going to help you. And, you know, I always wondered how these things, how, how do we always have Kleenex? How do we always have waters? How, how do, where does this stuff come from? And I began to meet the people who did it. I began to meet the people who supply these things. And there's two ladies in particular. Now, again, I won't say their names. Two ladies that have been around for many, many, many years. And you know those ladies, for those two years, while I was overseeing the ushering, for two years, those ladies bought all those Kleenexes. They're the ones who bought the air fresheners. They're the ones who bought the waters for two years. They never asked nobody. They never even had to be waited to ask. Wait, let me say that again. <laughs> they never had to wait to be asked. They would come up and say, here, go buy some cleaning. Go, go buy what we need. And, you know, people like that are the people that build this church because they're responsible. They feel the responsibility for it. And now that's an inspiration for all of us to say, listen, if they can care, why shouldn't we care? If they can care for something as small as that, why shouldn't we care for something maybe, you know, small or big? It's our church. Amen? Lastly, I believe that we are responsible, right? We, going over the responsibilities, responsible for our salvation, responsible for our pastors, responsible for our church, and lastly, we are responsible for the souls in our city. The promised scripture that we have as Victory Outreach is Isaiah 45, 2 and 3, right? And it states that God will give us the, dark, or the treasures in dark places. That's the inner cities. We all know this, right? The inner cities, those souls belong to us. They belong to you and they belong to me. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. That if God has given us the inner cities and the souls in those inner cities, then that carries a very, very heavy responsibility. Let me explain what I mean. See, that if they're ours, then we cannot expect anyone else to go into them inner cities and reach them souls but us because God has given them to us. So that means that if those people that are hooked on drugs, those people that are out there running the streets at this very moment, if they die and go to hell, it's because of our lack of action. It's our responsibility. Our responsibility to reach the souls in our city that are bound to drug addiction, gang life, prostitution, prison life, right? You can find them on Tennyson. You can find them in the Ramos, right? You can find them on South Garden and Kelly Hill and A Street. They're all throughout this entire city. It's a specific group of people, a specific group of people that God has called us to, and they are our responsibility. They are our responsibility as Victory Outreach. They are our responsibility for us in this room. I want to give you four attitudes that separate people from feeling their responsibility to reach souls. This is, this, this is, if you don't write nothing down, write this down. This is heavy right here. Four attitudes that separate people from feeling responsible for reaching these souls. The first attitude is the attitude of detachment. This attitude says that I don't come from that background, so I can't reach them. 
See, people detach themselves from our target people because they, they're different. And so somehow they feel that that disqualifies them from reaching out to an addict or a gang member or a prostitute. See, it is God who calls. It is God who qualifies, right? It is God's anointing. That's why they listen to us, right? It's God's presence and power that when we lay hands on people that they're able to get delivered. See, you have to understand, it's not about us. It's never been about us. We're, it's about the message. It's about what we bring as a, as a people of God. And so that attitude of detachment of saying, well, I don't come from that background. So I don't know. I can't reach out to these people. Well, that's a lie from the pit of hell. I want you to, tell, I want you to understand that it's our responsibility, even if you never came from that background. It's a, it's a danger to, as we grow and as we develop, it's a danger to get away from that target people, to stop seeing people with tattoos on their head walking through these doors. There's a danger in that. Listen, our pastor's never been in that, but God has called him. He doesn't feel detached. He knows that it is an anointing that is on this ministry. It is an anointing on a person that gives himself to the Lord and utilizes this anointing. That's the reason they listen to us. That's the reason they hear us out. That's the reason they come to our church is because it's an anointing. It has nothing to do with us. It's, it's a specific group that we've been called to, and we have to stand up and take responsibility for that. The second attitude that separates people from feeling responsible for souls is the attitude of selfishness. This attitude says, I made it out and I'm not going back. See, this is most common among us who escape death, life sentences, overdoses, right? Come on, some of us escaped that, right? I know I did. See, folks feel that if they stand too close to their past, that they'll fall back somehow, right? See, gratitude is an action. It's not a feeling. See, truth is, some people become so selfish after becoming Christians or getting saved that they forget those that they left behind in the world. It's the truth. It's not always, this, listen to this, it's not always about the big wave that comes in. A lot of times it's about the little waves that come behind that big wave. I'll say that again. It's not always about the big wave that comes in. It's usually about the little waves that come behind that big wave. And there's people, because of, the, because of the salvations that are taking place, there's people that will follow and come to Christ because of that. And we have to understand that, listen, if we stop going out there and if we stop hitting it and if we stop going back to these places, that these little waves are never going to come in. These other people that are, that are called to this ministry are never going to come in, which is why we got to continue to go to A Street. We got to continue to go to these places that are down and that are destitute because there's more people that are still waiting to come in. They still need to be come in, still need to be talked to. We must stop thinking that our salvation ended, or excuse me, that our salvation ended God's plan for our family. We must think that we stop, stop thinking that our salvation ended God's plan for our families, for our neighborhoods. It didn't end God's plan. It was only the beginning of the plan. We were the beginning of the plan. We were the beginning of the salvation in our families. We were the beginning of the salvation in our group of friends or people that we used to hang out with. They're still going to get saved. They're still going to get touched. But if you, if, you, if, you're, if you get to the mode of selfishness, then you'll never go back and reach them because you don't want to expose yourself to them no more. There's a danger. The third attitude that separates people from feeling responsibility for souls is the attitude of misfocus. This attitude says, I don't really have the time. See, for most, the desire is there to help people. It is. 
but they allow themselves to believe something else is a little more important. See, good intentions never change the city. And simply wanting to help a dope fiend will not get him off dope. See, there's only, one, only time for things we make time for. Gifts, callings have nothing to do with the responsibility we all have to win souls. See, winning souls should be at the top of our list. It should be the, at the top of our calendars. It should be at the top of our meetings. It should be at the top of our life groups. We cannot stray from the simplicity of the gospel. It's the vision. It's the responsibility that we have. Don't get misfocused. Don't get misfocused. Don't stray because we make time for what we have to, we, we have to make time for what is important. There'll never, you'll never have enough time. You'll never, there'll never be an opportune moment, but we make time for the things that are important. And if you're not focused, you'll only make time for the things that you feel are important. And most of the times, it does not involve street rallies. It does not involve opening up you life groups. It doesn't involve doing home runs, right? Come on, let's be honest. It usually involves fellowships. It usually involves other stuff. Now, I'm not knocking that. But what I'm saying is, if you lose focus, you'll lose, you'll detach yourself from the responsibility of souls. The fourth thing, the fourth attitude that separates us from the responsibility of souls is the attitude of fear. This attitude says, I don't know what to say or do. And here's the question, right? Who really does, right? Who really knows what to do, right? Being that every soul is different, right? Every circumstance is different. Right? Every bondage is different. Every personality and every need is different. Who really knows what to do? Right? We don't have a master plan. We have manuals, but they, they're not pretty, they're not detailed on this stuff, right? So you learn that real quick in ministry. That, man, you get all, you may have got trained for one personality and all the other ones come in, right? You don't know what to do. Our responsibility is to expand our tool bag. Let me explain what this means. Someone once said that if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Let me say that again. Somebody once said, if all you have is a hammer, then everything looks like a nail. So there we are with our hammer trying to be effective and talking to people and we're having minimal success. But imagine if you had a wrench. Imagine if you had a drill. Imagine if you had a saw. See, the more tools that you have and you come across different personalities, you can rotate tools and you can see success. So our, our goal is to get more tools. Our goal as people and as Christians and our responsibility is to get more tools, to learn how to deal with more people, to learn how to deal with more circumstances. See, listen, it's up to us to learn these things. A lot of people just don't want to memorize scripture. They don't want to go out with other people who maybe are a little more seasoned so they can learn. You know, nobody wants, and this is crazy because even in Christianity, nobody wants to know, look like they don't know, Right? But who really knows, right? I mean, this is the truth. You know, people always want to act like, oh, well, I know, and, and, and I know these things, and I know exactly what to do when it comes to this. But the truth is, none of us know. We're all learning. And so the more you place yourself next to people that, that can teach you something, the more tools you're going to have to deal with these souls. And see, it's our responsibility to hunt these souls. You know, it's a trip is, you know, not too long ago, we, we, me and my wife and a team went into South Garden. And, you know, we, we've been able to, to, to pioneer work there. But even pioneering that work, you know, I, I was just telling a, a brother earlier in the week that, you know, for the first four or five weeks that we went in there, we would go in there on Sunday night 
And we, you know, we went without flyers, really. We would just go with bread, right? And we'd knock on doors. Me and my wife, the kids, we'd knock on doors and just introduce ourselves. Hey, you know, we're here and we're going to be starting a Bible study. And it was a trip because coming into there, you know, we, you know, it was always all right when we were evangelizing. But as soon as I would get in the car, I mean, immediately when I'd get in the car, an overwhelming feeling would come over me to just quit. Now, I'm not the quit, you know, I'm not like an emotional type of guy, you know, where I just want to quit every time. But man, it was just like a dominating spirit that would come over me to want to quit. And I would hear in the back of my mind, man, what are you doing? This is not going to work. This is not going to work. This is not going to work. And I would drive home like, why do I feel like this? You know, like, man, and I didn't understand, you know, what exactly I was walking into. I didn't understand the spiritual aspect of it. See, I want you to understand something, that when you hunt souls, you got to understand there's also a little bit of a kickback from the enemy. See, you, when you take responsibility for it, I want you to understand that it becomes very personal. There is a very real war going on between the enemy and us. Whether you agree with it or whether you see it is a very real war. You know, and like I said, feeling that, I, I finally realized what it was. And I realized that it was an attack and that I had to rebuke it and that I had to continue to do what I knew I was supposed to do. And listen, when you take that kind of responsibility, you basically, you take them souls into your own personal heart. You take them souls, even if you don't know them, you take them into your own personal lives. You know, most people in this room have some kind of responsibility to somebody that's not saved. Whether it's somebody you know, whether it's a family member, or whether it's somebody, you know, that maybe you grew up with, right? You feel it. You feel it when you see them still lost and bound. And it should. It should bother you to see them still messed up. It should bother you to see your parents messed up. It should bother you to see your friends, you know, messed up and tore up. You know, and I think what God does is he continues to expose us to these things so that we would feel more responsible for this battle, for this battle for souls. You know, not only in, in evangelism does it make me feel personally responsible for lost souls, but, you know, I got a lot of reasons why I do what I do. I got a lot of personal reasons why I do what I do. You know, one of the personal reasons, and, and, you know, I was debating whether or not I should share it, but I think you need to, to hear it a little bit. You know, there was, I, I have a brother who passed away a few years ago, I think in 2009, and, you know, he, he had just came home from maybe doing, I think it was like 14 years in prison. You know, and, and he, you know, this is my brother. We grew up together. We grew up since we was children. We shared rooms together. We were very close. And throughout the years, he became institutionalized. He just kept going back to prison. And so after doing about 14 years in prison, he came home. And, you know, when he came home, he was just a different man. He was a different person than the, the person I grew up with. You know, the years of being on the, you know, in prison and the, that lifestyle had worn him down. And in, in talking with them, you know, I just, I could tell there was something wrong. Well, at the time, I wasn't saved. I wasn't right with God. And, um, you know, I couldn't really minister to him at the time. But, you know, it was a trip because, you know, one particular night that I remember, you know, he used to hang out in front of my mom's house, you know, right down the street. And, uh, you know, he was hanging out and, you know, we pulled up and he was out there. You know, it was just, you know, he had a bottle and he was drinking. But, you know, you could tell something was on his mind. And, you know, as my, we pulled up, my mom went and talked to him. And, you know, he was there, you know, my mom was just asking him, hey, what's wrong? Is everything all right? And as he was sitting there, you know, tears began to come down his eyes. And he was crying and crying. And, and you know, my mom didn't understand what was wrong. And, you know, and, and she just said, well, you know, what's going on? Talk to me. 
And he said, you know, he just began to express how he felt that in this, you know, at that time, 34, 35 years of life, that all he good, was good for is to be a convict, that all he was good for was to be a drug addict, that all he was worth is to be something that was bad. And he was just was crying and crying and crying. And, you know, it was a trip because, you know, my mom ministered to him, but, you know, about maybe three, four days after that, he drove himself to the Oakland Coliseum and put a bullet in his head. And, you know, I share that for a reason. I don't share that for sympathy. I share that so that you understand that, you know, this is a real struggle. This is a life and death struggle. And I take it personal. I take it very personal because I've lost family to this struggle. You know, this family over life and death and over, you know, salvation and non-salvation and over heaven and hell is very real to me. You know, I still have brothers that are out there using dope right now. I still have a sister that's addicted to crystal meth I st right now as we speak. And some of you do too. Some of you still have people out there that are lost and that are bound. Some of you live next to them. You're in neighborhoods where they're all around you. And listen, God wants you to take responsibility and take it personal. Take it personal. And see, this is why, you know, this, this responsibility lies completely on us. I want you to turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 11. As AJ comes to the piano. Numbers chapter 11, verse 4. When you have it, say amen. Responsibility. Responsibility. You have Numbers 11? Verse 4. This is, this is a, it's a very interesting story right here. And it has to do with responsibility. 11.4. It says, the ramble would then begin to crave other food. Let me just paraphrase this here so we save time basically what was going on is Moses was getting stressed out Moses was dealing with the people of Israel and he was getting stressed out and getting stressed out because he had all this responsibility on his hands and so he goes and he cries out to God if you read the story read it later on he cries out to God and he's, he's really complaining to God God I need help and so God tells him separate 70 people Right? He tells him, separate them and bring them to me. I want to meet him at the tent of meeting, he tells him. And he says, what I'm going to do is, he says, I'm going to take, my, take the, your spirit and I'm going to put it on them. That's what he tells me. He tells him, bring these men, bring these leaders of Israel. Bring them right here. And I'm going to place your spirit on them. And you know, if you look at that, our opening scripture had to do with each of us should carry our own load. But the truth is, most of us don't. We leave our load on other people. We share our load with our leadership and with other people, other men and women of God. And that's okay. We all need that at times. But at some point, God wants to meet you at the tent of meeting because he wants to give you another spirit. He wants to give you a spirit that will help carry a load, a load that is specifically designed for you. A load for your ministry, a load for your church, a load for your pastor, a load for this city, and a load for this world. He has an individual load for you. But it's our responsibility. We choose whether we want to meet God and get that spirit. None of us came in this door. I didn't come in this door wanting to back up the ministry. I just wanted to get off dope. It's the truth. 
But as I came and I grew in the things of Christ, I realized, man, they need help. They need help. These men and women of God, they need help. And I can do something about it. I didn't know what at the time, but I knew I needed to, I needed to be somewhere helping. And here today, you came for a reason through these doors. It wasn't by chance. It wasn't another Thursday night. We need help. Pastor needs help. This city needs help. And it's going to take us in this room to stand up and take that load and say, I want to be responsible. I want to take on my own load and help build a ministry for God's honor and God's glory. I want you to stand with me. And I want you to close your eyes with me. Nobody coming to the altar yet. I want you to close your eyes and just raise your hand and I want you to just focus on God. As AJ just begins to worship right now. You know, this is not an emotional time. Emotion can be left right there where you're at. Because we're talking about responsibility tonight. Responsibility is not an emotion. Responsibility is a commitment. It's a realization that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I'm this is what God created me for. God created me for this exact time and this exact reason. And as AJ sings this song right now, I don't want nobody coming just yet. I want you to just worship God. Just begin to worship God because God has to place that burden upon your heart. He has to place it. Let's sing this song one time through.